Welcome to the house. It's good to have all of our Faith Church family here in Florence. Can we show some love and welcome all of our Faith Church family in Lawrenceburg, our Faith Church family in our Shoals campus. Come on, everybody else watching online, thanks so much for tuning in. Come on, we said every week that we believe that Jesus, come on, who is he? He's the hope of the world. So whoever you are, whatever you're going through, your issue, your hurt, your heartache, or your habit, we believe if you'll open up your life to Jesus, it'll be the greatest decision you've ever made. How many people already know that's true? Come on, let's make some noise one more time. Well, again, I want to welcome everybody. Hey, make sure you grab a I Love My uh, Church uh, t-shirt on the way out. If you didn't grab one on the way in, sport that junk in the community. If you're living for Jesus, if not, tuck that junk in, wear it backwards, flip it inside out, do something else. I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, listen, we are finishing the series we started uh, several weeks ago entitled Fight Club. Everybody say Fight Club. Fight Club. I know that people who follow Jesus were to be peacemakers, but what we've been talking about is there are some things in your life and some things in my life that you should be fighting for. We fight over a lot of silly things. We fight over things that really don't matter. We fight over sports and we fight over politics and we fight over parking spots. But what we find is in the very beginning of creation, when God made everything that you see, God made mankind and set us in a place, uh, God gave us ultimately five things. And what we've been talking about through this series, and I would encourage you to go back and listen. If you're new here, you've been, you've been out for a little while, go back online and check these out. But what we find is the five things that God gave ultimately in the beginning to humanity, I believe are the five things he still wants for us. And these are the five things that if you'll fight for them, if you'll search for them, if you'll walk in them, I believe it's part of the life that Jesus came to bring us. Again, as, as individuals and as a culture and a community, we chase so many things. What we find is the five things that God ultimately wants us to have is, and he gave us his principles. He gave us people. He gave us provision. He gave us purpose. And he gave us a place. That what we find is that God gave Adam a relationship with him. He gave him principles. He gave him faith. And you should fight for your faith. There's going to be times you go through difficulties and you go through doubts and you go through discouragements. And those are the times you don't tap out, but you dig in and you double down and you fight for the faith that God's given us. We need to fight for. Last, we talked about our purpose. Again, I would encourage you to go back and listen to this. But one of the things I think is unique is the very first thing out of the five that God gave Adam was a place. In fact, here's what the Bible says. Listen to this in Genesis chapter two, verse eight. Every voice, come on, every campus, let's read this together. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he, what did he do? He placed the man that he had made. God placed the man in the place that he made. And so we find that God wants us to have a place to thrive, a place to grow, a place to connect, a place to experience all these things. And so this conversation today is about the place that he made for you and the place that he made for me. And so getting ready for this, I asked just around, just in conversations that I was in, I just asked this question, hey, what's your favorite place? What's your favorite place? And I got all kinds of, I didn't qualify it, just ask that question. I got all kinds of answers. Um, I got answers um, uh, like the river, which I would agree. How many people love the river? The people who said river most often were the guys typically who drive the boat, who pull their friends, which they have a gleam in their eye. If you've ever noticed, it's, they don't want their friends and family to have fun. They want to hurt somebody. I want you to experience three Gs. I want you to hit a wave. I want to throw you as high as I can throw you. And I want you to land and I want you to feel it tomorrow. Boat drivers were the kids that used to pull the legs off of bugs as kids. That's who they are. 
And so people said all, all, kinds of, uh, all kinds of places that they said was their favorite. Rosie's made the list, which I had to co-sign Rosie's. Nothing like dip and cheese. But three places kind of kept coming up as people said in the answer to their question, hey, what's your favorite place? Three, three places that continue to come up. One, uh, I would probably say it this way, uh, in nature. People said out in the mountains, out camping, uh, ultimately it's, it's the people who abandon the perfectly livable house they have and they go out and live in the woods. It's those people. Uh, it's people say, hey, I, I just love to be outdoors. I love to go hiking. I love to experience nature. And I, I can, I can hear that. I agree with that. There's some people, uh, who said that they love the beach Man, I love the beach. I love, I love the sunshine. I love going out, just relaxing, hearing the tide roll in, uh, experiencing community, hearing the music, lots of things that people said. And one that made the list, and I know it's pretty common, at least in this church, I know lots of people who've been there multiple times, is Disney. I know. And they'll say, it only costs us $19,000. We walked 478 miles and we rode two rides. And I'm like, that's incredible. But here's what I found about every time, and I, I did this intentional, every time somebody named a place, I kind of intentionally pushed back. Nature, I mean, man, there's nothing but bugs out there waiting to sting you or bite you or slime you or something. Uh, if you talk about, again, you talk about Disney, I talk about how expensive it is. If I talked about the beach, talk about sand. If you go to the beach, sand will follow you the rest of your life. You only have to go once and you'll find sand in a shoe eight years later. But here's what's funny is if I, even as I tried to push back against people's favorite place, people fought back. They doubled down. Well, there's nature. You can experience serenity. It's on the beach. You can experience community. Uh, you know, it's at Disney. It's, it's a miraculous experience, which I would question what the standard of miracle is there. But it's funny. People are willing to fight for their favorite place. And here's what I would say today is for me, my favorite place is church. My favorite place, truly, with everything I say, not because I'm in a series, not because it's a Sunday to talk about this, but my favorite place is church. Here's a couple things the Bible says about this thing we call church. Listen to this. In Psalm 73, it says this. So I tried to understand why the wicked prosper, but what a difficult task it is. Then I went to church. Watch this. Another one. Here's what David said, Psalm 122. He said, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to church. Anybody glad to be in church today? Come on, let's make some noise. Here's what Jesus had to say, and he was really the originator of the conversation of what we call today church. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, I will build my church. You want to know what God's interested in? You want to know where he's putting his effort, his power, his glory? He's in his church. He said, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer. You want to be on the winning team? Join church. Come on, somebody. That's what Jesus said his passion is about. That's where he said, I'm focusing. And so to me, to think about church, I love church. I love my church. It's at church that I get to experience and hang out with my faith church family. It's in church that I get to use my gifts. It's in church that I get to experience life-changing worship. It's in church that I get to witness many of you experience life change in Jesus. It's in church that we get to encounter together the presence and the power of God. I love church. Come on, somebody. I love church. And there's lots of reasons. And so this morning, as we go through this, you may not know you need to fight for this place. Maybe it's not your favorite place, but I'm going to double down to this today and say it should be. It's okay if Disney makes the list. 
It's okay if River's on the list, but I just believe with all of my heart that at the top of your list should be your favorite place is church. Here's a couple reasons why. Here's some things that do happen and should be happening in church. Church is a place. Let me, let me get this, make sure I get this right. Church is, a, is, is valuable. Church is a place to believe. Church is a place to believe. When we come into the house of God, one of the things that should be happening is we hear the word of God. You, he, you should hear the Bible. Now, there are lots of voices in this world. Think about on social media, when you just throw out an opinion or you ask a question, you get a, a diversity of answers and responses based on where people are at, based on their experience, based on what they're going through. But we should come to one place where we hear not just a truth or someone's perspective of truth, but I believe this with all of my heart, that there is a standard of truth, that truth is objective. And Jesus declared that he is the truth. And so when we come into church, church is a place where it's a place where you can believe. Here's the way the Bible says it in Romans chapter 10. It says, so faith comes by, comes how? By hearing and hearing by people's opinion, hearing by Fox News, hearing by CNN, hearing by President Biden. No, faith in our believing comes by hearing the word of God. Now, you might say, Pastor, I don't have to go to church to read the word. And the answer to that is absolutely 100%. In fact, Jesus calls all of us, Lawrenceburg, Shoals, Florence, God calls all of us to a personal relationship with Jesus, which is not just this public thing you show up for, but it's a personal thing you walk in. You should have, if you don't, and you can walk out today with a personal relationship with the God who created you and his son who showed up to save you. But at the same time, I want you to know this because while we can experience a personal relationship with Jesus, God wants us to know that there is this public relationship that he calls us to. In fact, it's, the Bible says that he's given some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, which means while you can read the Bible on your own, and you should, and while you can have a personal relationship with Jesus, and you should, God has empowered me as a pastor. God has given gifts to people that I have a place to bring God's word in a manner to help you grow and to help you to believe. And so church, when we talk about church, here's the definition of church. Church is not a place. It's important. Church is not a place, but it's God's people. But it's mentioned most as God's people in a place, which means I'm going to walk all the way over here. If the camera can follow me just to make a simple point, this right here, this isn't the church. This isn't the church. The seats you're sitting in in the church. The floor in the church. Lawrenceburg, you got a building a year old. That's not the church. Shoals about to have a new building. That's not the church. The church is the people. We are the church. But when you read the New Testament, the church isn't the group of people going to work and living life. What you find most often described is the church is God's people showing up in a place. So this isn't church, but this right here is church. And I love my church because it's a place that we can believe. And when I talk about believing, if you follow all kinds of studies that are being done in the nation we live, it's postmodern, which what that means is more and more people are moving away from church and falling away from faith and believing less. And what studies show is when you ask people who are walking away from church, why are you leaving? The number one answer is because they say, I don't believe what I used to believe. So I don't go where I used to go, which makes sense. So again, let me, let me say this. They're saying, we don't go because we no longer believe. 
And that sounds right, but I want to flip that on its head. I don't think people stop going to church because they stop believing. I think people stop believing because they stop going to church. If you stop coming to the house, if you stop being a part of church, you stop getting the biblical perspective of truth on who God is, who we are, what Jesus has accomplished, what he's doing in this world, how he's going to culminate the coming of his kingdom. We miss all of that and we start believing what this world says and we miss the truth of God's word that transforms our hearts and our minds. Come on, somebody. This is a place to believe. Church isn't just a place to believe, but church is a place to belong. It's a place to belong. Here's the way Paul said in Ephesians chapter four. Watch this. He said he makes the whole body, that's you, that's me, it's male, female, white, black, Republican, Democrat, that's all of us, rich, poor. He says he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Each part does its own special works and helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So the way Jesus sees us is ultimately the church. When you show up here and we get together, that this is a place for you to belong. It's a place for you to fit in. It's a place where you matter. And I, I just want you to know when Jesus, he talked about his church, when he talked about his people, one time he was teaching in a house and his mom and his brothers came looking for him. This is early in his ministry. They thought Jesus had lost his mind because he was claiming to be the Messiah. He was claiming to be something special. And his mom and his brothers and sisters show up. You maybe didn't know he didn't have brothers and sisters, but he did. They show up and they're standing outside of the house and they say this, hey, tell Jesus to come out. People are gonna think he's crazy. People are gonna think he's lost his mind. Tell him to come out so we can take him home. That's what his family said to tell Jesus. You know what the response of Jesus was? He said, let me tell you who my real family is. It's not my people who look like me. It's not the people who got the same color skin I have. It's not the people that live in the same house I came up in. He said this, he said, let me tell you, my brothers and my sisters are the ones who does the will of my father. What I want you to know, and maybe you've never heard this before, maybe we've never met, maybe this is your first time here, maybe you're sitting in a row and you couldn't name a single person here, but you are more family with the people sitting in this room than the people who you came up with, you're connected to, and you're related to. You made, I love my family, but we are spiritual family. Let me tell you why, we got the same father. Oh, come on, somebody. We got the same father. We come from the same family. We're part of the same home. We, we experience the same struggles. We have the same enemy. We have a lot more in common than we do not. And this is a place, when you come to church, this is a place for you and for me to belong. And so if you're gonna fight for Disney and you're gonna fight for the river and you're gonna fight for nature, I just think church should not only be a place we love, it should be a place we fight for. We get to hear truth and we need to fight back against deception. It's a place where we belong and we need to fight back against disunity. I'm telling you, there are lots of things that are gonna fight the unity of this house. And if this is your favorite place and it should be, you should fight for the unity of church. And the third thing, real quick, that church offers it's not just a place to believe and not just a place to belong, but a place to become. You aren't done yet. You're still growing. God still has things for you to learn, things for you to do, things for you to grow in. You're not finished maturing yet. Some of you might be 80 years old in this room and physically you're way past the season of maturity physically. Some of you mentally and emotionally, you're coming along. I'm, I'm praying for you. 
But spiritually in who God called us and created us to be, we are still moving. And when you come to church, when you're a part of the body of Christ, when you're a part of the bride of Christ, when you're in a gathering where God's presence is, God is growing you, which means he's still shifting how you see the world. He's still shifting and growing your relationship with him. He's still moving you forward in your call, in your purpose, on why you're a part of planet earth. We're growing in those things. Here's the way Paul says it again in Ephesians 4. He says this process of believing and belonging. He says this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith, in knowledge of God's son, that we will be what? Everybody shout mature. We will all be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. I love that. I'm not a lot like Jesus now, but do you know the goal of Jesus for my life is to be like Jesus? Not in his divinity, but walking in a love and purpose and respect for my heavenly father. And God, that's his will for you. And the only way you can really get there is to be here. Let me say that again. The only way you can get there is to be here, is to be in the house. It is a part of becoming. He goes on, he says this. Uh, he said, again, they're going to continue till we reach the standard of Christ. What a high standard. But again, we can get there together. We can get there as the body of Christ by being in the house. So lots of reasons, man, we should love church. Now, maybe you don't love church. Maybe you're here because somebody dragged you here. Maybe you're here because somebody threatened you. Uh, maybe you're here because someone promised to buy you lunch, which is a good reason to come. If you promise me lunch, I'm coming. <laughs> but maybe you got lots of reasons. And here's what I know. We talked about this a few weeks ago. You come to church long enough, and this is going to happen. When you fill a room of people that are in different places of maturity and you put us in close proximity, we're going to bump into each other. And while I hope a lot of our encounters are positive and we're going to hug our necks and we're going to encourage each other, we're going to pray for one another, we're going to love one another. Here's what I know is I'm going to rub you the wrong way sometimes. In fact, if I haven't yet, I'm not doing my job. <laughs> Newsflash, some of you are going to rub me the wrong way. It's just going to happen. You're probably going to offend me and I'm probably going to offend you. I'm going to get on your nerves. You're probably going to get on my nerves. But it doesn't change we're family. It doesn't change we're called to a place together underneath the lordship of Jesus, a place where we can believe, a place, come on somebody, where we can belong and a place where we can become. That's what God wants for the house. Anybody here love jigsaw puzzles? Anybody love jigsaw puzzles? Uh, we don't do them a lot, but we started, I'm not even really sure how it happened, but you know, you go to the beach and you go to the condo and almost in every condo, there's a drawer or a cabinet somewhere, a closet, and it has all the games that other people have bought left there. Whoever owns the condo, they're there. And most of them are missing pieces and parts. But I think one year we went and there happened to be a puzzle. And so we started this puzzle early as a family. And so we do the same thing every day. We wake up at 11. <laughs> it's vacation. I'm just kidding. But we sleep in wander around the condo. We eventually make it to the beach for most of the day. I make it to the pool because I don't really like the beach that much. And then we go up for lunch, come back down for a while, come up, get dressed, go to dinner. And when we go back to the house and we would just kind of hang around as a family and we work on this puzzle. 
And the goal was by the end of the week, we would have the puzzle complete. And so we would sit up two, three in the morning, like working these puzzles. I just, I don't do them any other time. I love them because I get to sit with my family and do this puzzle. And so it just became this, now it's this thing we do every year. Every year, in fact, before we go to the beach, we don't hope they have a puzzle. We go and buy a new puzzle. And usually it's two or 3,000 pieces and we work on it. Now here's what's funny is, now here's a question. What is the most important piece in a jigsaw puzzle? What's the most important piece? It's not the corners. It's not the edge. The most important piece in a jigsaw puzzle is the piece that's missing. If you have 2,000 piece puzzle and you're getting close to the end, you know how when like you just got probably like 100 pieces left and you're like, it's starting to come. And the, the, the more you get into a puzzle, like the quicker it goes, you're like, man, we're almost home. And you get to the last, you got two holes in one piece. You don't care that you got 1,998 pieces on the table, 1,999, you know where it goes. All of a sudden, the panic kicks in and you go looking for the one piece. It doesn't matter. Every single time we gather, I love that you're here, but when you're not here, you're missed. You're the most important piece of the puzzle because we can't be who God's called us to be. We can't do what God's called us to do unless we're all in the house. Come on, somebody. I love my church. Anybody here love the church? So I want to read a, a story. And it's found in Mark chapter two. If you want to turn there, you can. It's a story that happened, obviously, in the life of Jesus. It's recorded in the Gospels. I'll always say things like this for people who are new to church, new to faith, or you're not even, maybe you're not even a believer. Man, I'm glad you're here. Thanks for coming. Thanks for opening up your heart to maybe see what this thing's about. My heart is that God would speak to your heart and change you forever. But the, the Gospels, the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're biographies of the life of Jesus. It's how we know who he was, what he believed, what he taught and what he accomplished. And so in the life of Jesus, a large part of his ministry wasn't just what he taught, but it's what he did. And this story is a culmination of both of these. And I want to just read this out. I want to just point out a few things that I think should be happening and is a part of this thing that we call church. In Mark chapter two, here's how the story starts. It says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Uh, social media went wild, right? I mean, Jesus is in the house. It was everywhere you looked. It went viral. Jesus was back. But when Jesus shows up, I love this. It says, soon the house, what is this? This is the house. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. One of the marks of church, in fact, the most important mark of church, isn't you, isn't a place, isn't the music, it, the most important thing, what marks the church as the church is the presence of our Savior, Jesus. If he's not here, it's just a club. If he's not here, it's just a gathering. If he's not here, it's just a social place. But when Jesus shows up and he's the center of attention, he's the center of worship, he's the center of learning, when Jesus shows up and becomes the center of all. That's what makes the church the church is the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus said it this way. Jesus said when just two or three, it doesn't take a thousand. There's thousands of people that attend faith church. It doesn't take thousands. He said, if just two or three will gather in my name, if two or three, two or three people will make me the center, he said, I'll be there. 
my presence will show up. There I'll be in the midst of them. So again, I want you to hear this. And I've done it. You can go home, you can not come to church for a couple of weeks, and you can be driving down the road, and, and you can put in whatever worship you're listening to. I can only imagine <laughs> what it will be like. I know you're going to be singing the Christian songs and driving down the road, worship, presence of the Lord is going to hit you, you're going to, get all, you're going to tear, you can be at home in the shower. <laughs> Jesus is like, I'm just going to wait out here for you. And you can be singing to Jesus and you can have an encounter with the presence of the Lord. Yes, yes, yeah, and yes, you should. But Jesus said, when two or three, when there's a gathering of my people, it doesn't have to be a big group, but it should be more than one. You are a part of the church, but you're a part of the church. We together are the church. He said, that's where I am in the center of you. He said, that's where my presence is. And what you find in this story is what made this gathering so powerful is that Jesus was here. And as soon as Jesus showed up, so did everybody else. If you believe Jesus will meet you here, you will be here. Let me say that again. If you truly believe that Jesus will meet you here, you will be here. If, you know, Jesus, we know scripture teaches us that he walked this earth for 33 and a half years. He accomplished his ultimate purpose to come, to live a sinless life, to teach us who our heavenly father is, to let us know who we were, that we are broken humanity, that we're sinners, that we need a savior, and that he ended his life predicting his life would end, but it wouldn't end on a cross and it wouldn't end in a tomb. Jesus said, even though you kill me, he said, I'm gonna raise again on the third day. And we know that three days later, Jesus rose from the grave declaring and finalizing who he was. It was the stamp of affirmation that Jesus truly was, what he taught and who he said. And Jesus rose as our savior. And while all of that is absolutely incredible, Jesus wants us to experience that truth in the context of community and what he calls the church. And when you start to believe that God is going to meet you in this place, again, this is the place we want to be. But Jesus, he's no longer here physically. After his life, death and, death and resurrection, the Bible teaches us that he ascended back to heaven, Acts chapter one. But if I was able to get Jesus here physically and I announced it on social media, we paid for advertising, hey, Jesus is gonna be here Sunday, there would not be an open seat in the house. But here's what you need to know is Jesus is here every single time we gather. Every connect group, every small group, every youth gathering, back in the kids center, in Lawrenceburg, in Shoals, in Florence, at, 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 uh, at Chapel, at Highlands, at the Methodist Church, the Baptist Church, the Church of Christ, even though they don't sing, but it's okay. They don't do music, but Jesus is still there. I'm just kidding. You know, that's Church of Christ. Well, I'm just saying. Jesus, everybody say Jesus is here. That's what makes the church the church is the presence of Jesus. And again, when the presence of the Lord shows up, people start to show up. And that's what makes the gathering so significant. And the story goes on, he says this, while he was preaching God's word to them, 
One of the marks also of the church isn't just the presence of Jesus, but it's the preaching of the word. I want you to know something. We believe in the word of God here. We preach the word here. We love the word here. It's the word that is a light to our path. It's a lamp to our path. It's light to our feet. It's the word of God that changes hearts. It's the word of God that bursts faith. It is the word of God that breaks the things in our life that needs broken. It's the word of God that softens our heart. It's the word of God that transforms us. It's the word of God that's a seed that's planted us that comes to fruition. It's the word of God that saves us. It's the word of God that renews our mind. It is the word. We love the word here. It's the most important thing we do to talk about the most important person there is. So what makes the gathering really important is that Jesus is in the house. What makes this gathering really important is that the preaching of God's word takes place. And so in the middle of this context, so picture this, this, this house, Jesus is there. People start showing up. It is packed out. There's the poor person who gets stuck in the corner. You ever been at a party? Not last night, hopefully. But you, I mean, it's just a packed out. You get stuck in the corner. You can't move. You're trapped. There's that guy stuck in the corner. People hanging out of windowsills. So full, people gathered around the house. And in the middle of all of it, Jesus is preaching the word. And watch this. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head, and then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Most of you are in this room, most of you are in Lawrenceburg and you're in Shoals because someone loved you enough to bring you to Jesus. Somebody, a grandma was praying for you, a mom or dad was kept bringing you to church, kept loving you, friends kept inviting you, coworkers kept saying, you have to come. Most of you are here because you had some friends like the four who made sure you got at the feet of Jesus. Here's the question, someone made sure you got at the feet of Jesus, who are you making sure gets to the feet of Jesus? Because as a church, church is a place to bring the Let me say it again. Church is a place to bring the broken. I know we live in a culture that says, I got to dress it up. And so we dress up the outside, but we're still broken on the inside. Some people say, I can't come to the house till I get my mess right. I'm on the other side and says, if you'll come to the house, God will get your mess right. God will meet you where you are. He'll heal you where you are. He'll restore you where you are. God loves broken people. He specializes in restoration. He specializes in healing. And this man had four friends who loved him enough to get him in the presence of Jesus. But can you imagine sitting there? Here's Jesus, and like he starts getting hit and then like with some plaster. Some, I'm not sure, hey. And all of a sudden, their sun starts peeking through, and this man gets lowered down in front of Jesus. Several years ago, uh, probably just before COVID, uh, we were in the middle of a worship service, and I hate to tell you this because you can't move, but right back in this spot over here to my left, uh, up because of the music, probably, it is a little loud here. We know that. A piece of insulation broke off of the metal structure, went through the roof, and landed on somebody in the back. And I thought two things. One, I hope you're okay, and two, don't sue us. <laughs> and they were okay, and they didn't sue us. But when I, that happened, like I imagine Jesus getting hit with like a chunk of plaster. And he could have been mad and offended, but he cares about people. It's funny how as church people, as valuable as church is, that church should be our favorite place, how easily we get upset. It's too loud. I had to wait in line so long for coffee. Someone sat in my seat. 
Newsflash, not your seat. I grew up with a saying, move your feet, lose your seat. And as soon as you walked out last week, that seat became open. If you didn't get back in time last week, sorry, we got 997 other seats here. Unless you got here late, you're sitting on the front row. We all know how that works. But man, we get so offended and so upset and so bothered. Jesus, I'm, I'm just telling you, sometimes babies are in this room. If you have a baby here, it's too late. And babies, babies don't do good sitting in silence for, for an hour. And it's hard for me sometimes to preach in competition with a baby that cries. See? That's what Oh, Will Tay's a baby. Don't play. Will Tay's a baby. That could not have been more perfect. If you didn't hear it at our campuses, we just had a little kid shout out. But, but think about this. Jesus is so focused on being in the moment with broken people. He's so focused on what really matters, not the line, not the crowd, not the size, not the noise. He's focused on the word and he's focused on people that he doesn't care that there's some stuff falling on him and there's some mess going on. There's gonna be some mess when messy people get in the house, but the goal of getting in the house is God cleans up the mess. Come on, somebody. That's why we love church. So, man, I'm just, I'm so moved. I'm so moved by the, by the faith and the passion of the four. Who are you getting to the house? If you love church, do you love it enough to bring people to the house? I don't give up on a good restaurant. I'm on a salt kick. Little restaurant across the river. I'm talking about like, y'all need to hit salt. Why? Man, if, if salt, you think salt will change your life, Jesus will blow your mind with his goodness and his grace and his mercy and his truth. So if you're going to get people in a restaurant, you're going to get people to your favorite hangout, you're going to get people on the river, you're going to take family to Disney, you're going to hang out on the beach, there's no better place that you can go, no other place you can believe, no other place you can become, no other place you can belong. In the church. Church isn't my idea. Church isn't your idea. Church was Jesus' idea. And he said, I'm building it. You can be a part of it or not. You get to choose. But what better place would you rather be a part of than the place where Jesus said, I'm putting my power, I'm putting my presence. If you show up, you can experience the power of change to become. You can experience the power of my word to believe. What better place can you be a part of than this miraculous thing called the church? And so this man falls down in front of Jesus. I wonder if one guy, like in my mind, like I wonder if one guy's holding and slipped a little bit, like the guy fell. That's just a side. That's not there, but could have happened. I mean, Jesus was going to heal him anyway. So, I mean, we, we can work on the bump too while we're here. He's like, Jesus, I can't walk. And I have a fracture in my shoulder. One guy let go too soon and it's a whole thing. <laughs> I didn't take my Adderall today. I don't take Adderall. That's a joke. Not that I think if you take Adderall, it's funny. Gosh, if I triggered anybody, I'm sorry. I'm not that insensitive. 
We're going to edit that part. So if you listen later, he said he made an Adderall thing and it wasn't there. We will edit that. I'm sorry. So insensitive. I'm not there yet. I'm, I'm becoming, but I'm not there yet. Keep messing around, people. I got two minutes and 54 seconds left. Y'all going to make me go over. You know what I love about these guys is they made a place for their friend. If you're looking for a church, if this isn't home to you, let me tell you one of the priorities for me as the pastor of this house is to make a place for people. And it's messy this way. It's expensive this way. Do you think I like preaching two and three services and the weight of buildings? We just keep adding more chairs and more services and more buildings. Why? Because I'll tear a roof off to get somebody in the presence of Jesus. We'll do whatever it takes. As a church, one of the challenges we face is when service is over, you got to go home. You can't stay here. You can go talk in the parking lot, but somebody needs your seat. And we recognize, some people are like, well, I just want to stay and talk. We'll have all eternity to talk. But our goal and our mission here at Faith Church is to reach people who are far from God. And we'll do whatever it takes to make a space for people, especially those who are broken. So if you're going to make this the place that you love, make sure you come with the same priority that I believe Jesus has. We don't care about the disruption. We care that when people leave his presence, they leave change forever. And that's the priority of this house too. So he goes on real quick. He goes on, he says this. He says, seeing their faith. So he's watching these four guys lower their friend down in front of him, seeing their faith. Does God see your faith? Absolutely. Faith isn't just something you talk about. It's something you live out. And you can see the faith of people based on how they live, based on how they talk, based on how they carry their life. And Jesus is watching the faith. They, they obviously believe that Jesus, they believe that Jesus can heal their friend. Why? Because they tore a roof off the place and they lowered their friend down. If you really believe that Jesus can heal your broken friend, you'll get him in the house. If you won't get him here, it's one thing if they won't come, but if you won't get him here, maybe it's because you don't have the same faith that the four had. The four said, if we can just get our friend in, the, in front of Jesus, our friend, our friend can be fixed by the presence of Jesus, by the preaching of the word, of Jesus. Every time you show up here, Jesus can help you to become by his presence and by the preaching of the word. And he says this though, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, what's the number one need of this man to walk? What does Jesus realize the number one need of humanity is my child, your sins are forgiven. The most important issue in your life. It's not your marriage. It's not your career. It's not your job. It's not your illness. The number one priority in your life is that we are all sinners. What does that mean? Simply, it means this. We're all rebellious. We don't do what God created us to do. We don't do what brings him honor. We do what pleases us. We do what makes us feel good. That's what a sin is. Sin is an affront to God. It's a transgression. Sin is brokenness. If you don't like the religious biblical definition, sin is brokenness. All you have to do is look at this world and realize how broken we are. Racism and poverty and destruction and war. You know why it all exists? Because you and I, it's not them out there. It's all of us that live in this world. We are broken people. And the only person who can forgive our sin and transform our heart is the Lord Jesus Christ. And it starts by him forgiving our sin. And the way he did that was he died on the cross. He carried your sin in mind. He carried your shame in mind. And he died and took our punishment on the cross of Calvary so we could be forgiven. The Bible says it this way, that God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become 
the righteousness of God in Christ. There is no greater news on the planet than that, where God said, I'll take who you are and I'll give you who I am. In a divine exchange, God gave you a perfect standing with your heavenly father. He made forever heaven your home and he made you a part of the most beautiful family that's ever been created on planet earth, the church. Real quick, I'm out of time, but verse six and verse seven, I'll just get through this. He says this, but some teachers. So in this gathering, again, picture this house. It's full, it's packed. There's all these people outside. The roof comes off. This guy gets lowered down. Jesus, the first thing he does is he forgives this man's sin. And in the middle of this, verse six and verse seven, but some of the teachers of the religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves. They didn't even say it out loud. When you show up and you you think some stuff, Jesus hears it. Just... Y'all need to write that one down. Think about that tomorrow. (laughs) What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Because the religious leaders knew that only God can forgive sin. So when Jesus claimed to forgive sin, Jesus claimed to be God. If you're interested in growing in your faith and you've ever watched some TikTok videos or some YouTube videos or some debates, people say, there's nowhere in scripture Jesus ever claimed to be God. That's true. Jesus never said the words, I am God. But Jesus made lots of claims that only God can make. Jesus claimed to be the I am of Exodus, the God who sent Moses to deliver the nation of Israel. Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. I am the great I am. Jesus made lots of claims, one to be one who can forgive sin. And he forgave this man's sin, but I love the eclectic gathering of this room. Do you realize in this room is Jesus? There are some of his apostles. There are some of his disciples. And then there's some religious people. If we're doing church right, it shouldn't just all be all mature people. Every gathering that's done right called the church. There should, be some, there should be some unbelievers. If you're an unbeliever, I'm glad you're here. If you're an atheist, I'm glad you're in the house. There should be some unbelievers and some new believers and some semi-mature believers and some mature. We are all in a different place in our spiritual journey. But that's the beauty of the church is we're all in a different place, but we're underneath the authority of our Savior Jesus. And so I want you to know this. There's a lot of diversity in this house. Not enough, but there's some diversity in this house. We should never allow our diversity to keep us from unity. Let me say that again. We should never allow our diversity to keep us from unity. We should stop focusing on the things that make us different and celebrate the things that make us part of the same team, the same house, the same family, the same church, because those are the things that'll matter in eternity. It's not where you work. It's not the color of your skin. It's not where you were raised. It's do you belong to the family of God? Are you a part of the body of Christ? Are you a part of the house that Jesus calls the church? Here's how the story ends. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or stand up, pick up your mat and walk. He's asking this question. You're saying I can't forgive sin. What's harder to do? Or what's easier to do? Is it easier to say you're forgiven or is it easier to say be healed? Well, it's easier to say you're forgiven because you can't see someone being forgiven with your eyes. But Jesus says, so you know I got the authority to forgive sin. I'm gonna demonstrate I have the authority to forgive sin by healing this man. And he says to him, stand up, verse 11, Pick up your mat and go home. The man jumped up, grabbed his mat and walked out through the stunned onlookers. And they were all amazed and praised God exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. 
So to me, this is a church gathering. It wasn't Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal, charismatic, non-denominational. It was a place where the presence of Jesus was. It was a place where the preaching of God's word was. It was a place where transition and transformation was happening because of those two things. That's what the church is. But what I want you to see, church is a place where miracles happen. Church is a place where transformation happens. Church is a place where faith happens. Church is a place, and if you're taking notes, last thing, the purpose of the church is to empower the people of the church. Every time you show up here, we want you to experience the presence of God and walk out of this place into the world you work, into the world you live, in the, the neighborhood, the subdivision, and to be the light of the world that Jesus calls you to be. So we show up on Sunday, we worship our God, we experience the truth of his word, we celebrate together, and we leave out of this place refreshed, ready to live this faith out for another week. And when you skip on Sunday, from personal experience, makes that next Monday through Saturday just a little bit harder. So you don't have to be here. My kids growing up at a pastor's home, you can imagine is sometimes challenging and our kids be like, man, we have to go to church today. You know, my kids love the Lord. They serve the Lord, but you, we don't get as many breaks as other people do. This is what I do. Kids sometimes be like, we have to go to church. And I'll always correct my kids. You don't have to go to church. You get to go to church. It's a privilege to be in the house. It's an honor to be in his presence. It is life-changing to experience his word. So church, it's my favorite place because it's the only place we can experience what every single person on the face of this planet most desperately needs, and it's an encounter with their creator. So Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that God all across this room in Lawrenceburg and Shoals and here in Florence, every person watching online, God, will you give us a new passion, a new hunger, a new appreciation for this beautiful gathering called the church that you are the center of, you are the Lord of, you are the savior of, but God, we are called and we are privileged to be a part of it. God, again, a place where we can believe, a place where we can belong and a place where can we, we can become. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that we will fight for our place because it's one of the most precious gifts you've given us. In Jesus' name, come on, and everybody who agrees, said amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord today.